Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And alongside me, we have Freddy. Always staying spoopy. Staying spoopy, always and forever. Also known as Nighty Knight. On the other end there, we got David. I don't hear David. Spoopy boys. You guys hear David? Oh, there he is. I hear him right now. There he is. Uh, also known as Knightly. On the other end there, you know, what? it's not three of us right now, everybody. We also have Mike from the Good Night Podcast. How ah! are you? I'm scared. <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like it's good. I'm so scared. <laughs> You can say he's a, a stranger in this podcast. Oh. oh. I see what you did there. Oh, you calm yourself down, boy. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Jester. So thank you so much for, Thanks for having me. Show. This is really fun to have you. Absolutely, absolutely. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife and that's light with a what? By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, our feature film, still kicking things off with you're not safe here anymore month which is also known as our home invasion month but kicking things off second week i think yes that's right with the strangers first and foremost guys thoughts so i actually mm. love this movie i've seen this movie countless times in uh high school yeah, which surprised me yeah <laughs> i know right so there's a funny story to this not only did i really like the movie <laughs> i mean I think it's just because I didn't really know any better horror back in the day all that much. And it was just something sure. I saw in theaters. Um, but straight up, this is going to sound so lame. But this would be the movie that I would uh, watch with a girl that I start dating. Like that horror movie mm. to just be like, it's not too intense, but intense enough where if someone jumps and they need to grab your arm, like this is the movie to put on. <laughs> So, <laughs> so this was that movie for me. Nice, and it's funny because I, I I watch the movie now, and I'm just like, I mean, it wasn't even. Now that I think about it, like there's like a very unromantic first half of this movie, and it's like, you know, it's kind of like a downer at first. Uh, so it's kind of yeah. funny, um, but watching the movie now, I'm like, why did I watch this, and why did I choose this movie? Um, why did I choose to watch the movie so many times? Because it's okay. It's cool to watch. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. But it's not like a, you got to watch this movie. I'm just surprised sure. it was always this movie. I think it was just an easy go-to for me. Yeah, it's not like, it's not yeah, super right. compelling as like a piece of film, but it's a fun ride. Yeah, you don't need to I be completely focused while you're watching it. You can have a conversation with someone here and there while you're watching the movie, like if you're watching it with someone else. Right. So it's a good like horror slasher date movie, in my opinion. Honestly, this this movie is probably one of my favorite slashers of all time. Nice. Just wow. because it takes that same... 
it doesn't give you those tropes that you're used to with a slasher film and you kind of don't know it's a slasher film it's technically not but at the same time if you had to classify this in genre it would be in that category of slasher home invasion and typically home invasions are considered slashers anyway but I, I, I don't know. Like, I, like you, you just see so many different types of characteristics out throughout this movie. Like you, you see the Manson family, you see, uh, uh, Halloween, you see, you just see so many different pieces and different aspects of this movie. And it, it's, I find it genius and fascinating on how slow it is. And it's initially a story of people getting toyed with. And yeah. that is so fascinating to me. And, it, it's such an interesting movie. It, like I find this so fascinating, and I and I've seen this movie quite a bit. I've seen this movie about close to maybe five times or so, and um, every time I, I watch it, I always think of like certain pieces to it. But I don't know. I, I've always found this movie to be very enjoyable. I, it's it's very slow. It's not too gory, um, which can make it a little bit of an easier pill for people to swallow. Um, but I, I just really, really enjoy this movie. Um, but, Mike, this is... You You recently... You watched this movie, what, about a year ago, uh, right? For the first time. I don't have my logs anymore, but I want to say it was about... Okay. Two to three years ago, probably. Okay. For the very first okay. time. Because I remember we talked about this on the Goodnight Podcast yeah. for a little bit. Very briefly. Very I, briefly. Like someone but, who doesn't know what the movie's about to be about, watch this by myself at night <laughs> with no one else in the house. At night. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a it's setting. fantastic. Especially when you have a, an old creaky house. So, <laughs> Ooh, how fun. What are you always hearing? Noises? Yeah, it's, it was just uh, like. Dude, I don't know how I'm going to go to sleep tonight after watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I, I oh, really loved about this movie, well, there's a couple things actually. Um, for a slasher film, the body count is very, very low. I think we have, you know, before the ending, one. Um, and that's like Prince has always didn't said. Even do it. Yeah. Like Prince always said, it's all about the body count, right? Right. Uh, and I love um, the music that's featured in this film and also how it's played, used to play with our victims. Um, yeah. But it's just, it's just not only is it cool music to with listen like to, record. but it's, yeah, it's cool to hear it distorted. And it, it oh, it yeah. definitely plays that's into the what story makes too. This, yeah. It, Very much so. And it, that's what makes me remember this movie for some reason is that those tracks on vinyl that get played. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so chilling, Freddie. What, what did you think about so, this movie? Um, yeah, this is I, your first time watching it, but yes. you thought you've seen this before. I thought I saw this movie, but yeah, this is my first time watching it. I've only seen scenes that like the more popular scenes, definitely probably on YouTube, and I've heard the line before what they say at the end. But I was kind of split with this movie. I loved it in some parts, and I hated it in other parts. <laughs> I'd say mm-hmm. the star of this movie is the director and the choices he chose in the movie. But the mm-hmm. acting was pretty bad for me, to be honest. Uh, I didn't sure. believe them. I didn't like their chemistry together. Uh, I did not believe their love story at all. Uh, they made terrible that's the decisions. Thing. They didn't have a love story, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess. And that's why they're breaking up or whatever they're doing. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's interesting. I feel like 
It, was it what well, I was writing down this even more like, interesting oh, this kind of reminds me of Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's like they're hurting themselves more than the actual guys that are trying to kill them, which I found right. pretty funny. And and I, I honestly, that's why I really, really enjoy this movie is because the killers aren't really doing anything. Like, it, it's because of these people's paranoia and their fear is what's causing them to initially... I guess get hurt and it's absolutely fascinating um, because they're, they're not doing anything really to them. They're, right. they're antagonizing them, but they're not physically hurting them. No, yeah, and I, I find that fascinating that this is what is initially kind of voiced on throughout this movie. And um, there's, there's a few people for sure, like who who de- there's actually a lot of people. This this movie is actually not liked throughout most people who aren't really big fans of the horror genre, um, and the main reason why is because one the stylistic choice of um, one I guess initially recording this whole movie on a camcorder and what? handheld, yeah. Yeah. So this movie's not recorded on a dolly at all. This movie's all on a handheld, which is why every single scene. I love that part of it though. Um, yeah, that's really more raw. That's really funny be, because I watched this with Bella, and she immediately within the opening Did shots. You grab your arm? No, she didn't. <laughs> huh? Didn't work. She didn't grab your arm. Oh shit, <laughs> uh, man! Look at you. Lost but, your moves from high school. <laughs> but she, uh, she had mentioned within like the opening shots, like, wow, there's a lot of shaky shots in this, and I mean, yeah. there you go. But I think also it'd be criminal for us to not mention the. The camera work that's in play here with the subtle the wide the, the wide angles yeah the wide angles yeah. where you'll have Kristen on the right side and we'll have one of the strangers hidden in the background on the left and it's not yeah. even maybe it's some people on them. yeah maybe some people won't catch it and that's and those moments where you do catch it when you see a glimpse mm-hmm. of someone's mass I think that's creepy, what this movie excels at. Those moments. And that's what I'm saying. It's, the main star is the director. The director makes all of the big yeah. shots. And that's, yeah, when Freddie brought that up, I was like, he's totally right. Mm-hmm. And very rarely you will have um, those stalker shots where there's distorted yeah. camera shots that look like it's coming through a uh, almost a stained glass window. Um, yeah. But it's very few far in between. Um, and they're very right. rare. But you notice, I mean, for someone, for people like us, we we probably notice like, oh, damn, look at what they did there. But I, I know back in high school from the many times I've watched this movie, I had moments where I was like, huh, I never noticed that. No. <laughs> yeah, of course. And that, 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 honestly, that's one of those layers on top of this particular movie that makes this even more fascinating because just like our conversation uh, last month with It Chapter One, we had that initial thought where I brought up the sequence inside the library um, where it's kind of that blur out image of that woman and so on and so forth. Like, and the director does not make the choice to make them the star. Like they are not the star of this shot. If you see them and you're creeped out by them, great. But if you're not, there's a whole bunch of other creepy shit and tension to go on throughout that scene to keep you still engaged. And that's what this movie did. This movie had a lot of those scenes that, that will keep you engaged on a bunch of the forefronts and also in the, in the background, which is fantastic. Like that to me, that works so well. And my favorite character are the strangers. Like I love right. 
the strangers. They all have fantastic chemistry together. They felt like even when they were one, they felt like they were still in sync with each other. Like it, it's, it just, they were perfect for this. And even though technically one of them only really truly talks technically two, but, um, you still get that same type of like, like just that visceral sensation from these people that they are toying with them and they know that they have all the time in the world because no one's fucking around. Yeah. It's a summer no community. Here. We have so much time, right? Like we have all this time. We have all the, all night. We have all day. If we wanted to like, it, it's just fuck. So they just, that's why they just went ape shit. And they were just like, we're going to crash into your car. We're going to make a bunch of noise. Yep. Yeah. Fire a gun. We don't <laughs> give a shit. We got your yeah. phones. You can't call anyone. Like you, you can't do anything. And that makes this movie fun, right? Because a lot of times, a lot of times a viewer may be saying, why don't they just leave? But it's like, leaving is a lot harder when you're in the middle of nowhere, right? Because if you leave and you're out in that open field, you're very vulnerable. 100%. And they even make that known a few times of the whole question that we would ask ourselves, why don't you just try to leave? Well, when he calls Mike on the phone and Mike doesn't answer, he goes straight to voicemail when he calls him, he tells him, I'm sorry that I have to make you come all the way out here. Yeah. Right. So, like, now we know as an audience, okay, this is I mean, out of you the can way. even, like, they, they, you can are even really tell by wrong. that intro shot, too, of it passing Correct. by the houses. Oh, yeah, very and all much that. So. Like, you see the different the quality in the homes. They, they kind of get smaller. Yeah. You see more green space around them. Like, yep. They're, and the homes yeah. are dark. Right. Like you could tell, no one's here. <laughs> they even have a shot where they show like the lake and the forest, and seeing like how isolated it is too. They give good like yes. context clues on it. I was like, cool, right, right. The director's one the thing star? that I do want to uh, uh, mention as well is that even though this wasn't technically confirmed, because this movie does say that it's based off of true events and so on and so forth, which they are, they are based off and inspired by, I would say. But um, th- this movie reminds me of. Have you guys ever heard of the Kitty Murders? That sounds very familiar, but I don't think so. Yeah. So, so this happened in the early 80s. And um, I, I want to say it was like April something, 1981. Yeah, it's but, in the cabin, right? Uh, it's in the cabins, yes. Yeah. It was four, It was a family of four that died. Um, they, were, they were initially killed. And uh, the objects that were used was a knife that was so forcefully stabbed inside someone that it bent. Oh, right. And God. there and was like a carving knife and then there was a hammer so there's three main objects that were used um and initially there were three kids that were asleep that didn't hear any of this going on and there's they were left alive and the one that discovered pretty much her family was uh their daughter who was sleeping next door at a neighbor's house and or a neighbor's cabin or whatever but it, it it it's such an intense story, but it, it very much reminds me of this. Um, and I can see that the, the initial like concept and things like that yeah. uh, behind that guy doing those heinous acts. It, it, they all classified it as well. Maybe it was more than one person. Maybe it was two or three because pretty much all these adults and and a child pretty much initially got killed and one person probably couldn't do just one of those acts while everyone's asleep or maybe he could, but it was just so violent and so visceral and, and 
such a small town that everyone knew everyone, but yet everyone also hated everyone kind of thing. It was, it was such an odd story. I would highly suggest looking it up. Yeah. When I was doing research on this movie, they did say that it kind of spawned off that story. And also Mm -hmm. that the director had a personal experience where someone came to his house asking for someone that didn't live there. And then he Mm -hmm. found out the next day that his neighbors got broken into. He took some inspiration off that. Yeah. So like a whole little, whole little list of stuff. So super fascinating, super duper fascinating. But let's go ahead and jump into the plot. The Strangers, directed by Brian Bertino, released on May 30th, 2008, a runtime of one hour and 31 minutes, a budget of $9 million, and a box office of $82.4 million, a score of 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. Technically, the new one did score higher. I personally am not a fan of the new one because it is very fast paced and people die left and fucking right. Hmm. But hey. It, the new one is 100% full-fledged slasher. So if you want to watch Prey at Night, it's still fun, but it doesn't give you the vibes yeah, of this. This, so this isn't very, a slasher. Movies. This is more of a, a slow stab. No, uh, we'll get into it later. We'll get yeah. Into it later. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, but we open with the ominous voice of the true events of the early to late 2000s. Quote, what you're about to see is inspired by true events. According to the FBI, there are estimate 1.4 million violent crimes in America each year. On the night of February 11th, 2005, Kristen McKay and James Hoyt left a friend's wedding reception and returned to the Hoyt family's summer home. The brutal events that took place there are still not entirely known. End quote. We fade to some driving past these really, really, really nice homes. They're actually kind of nice. It was just this one home that was like kind of colonial and shit. <laughs> Cut to a 911 call from a boy by the name of Jordan crying, telling the operator that there's people there and that they need help, but they don't know what address they are at. Um, we are we see these two boys looking at a smash car, smashed out car window and the two boys going into the house while the, uh, they tell this to the operator. They share that they found people there. They found people there and there is blood everywhere. It was just like a, a single spot technically, but hey. You know, it is what it is. (laughs) Um, We get shots of a ring box, bloodied knife, shotgun, and blood splattered on the wall. Then a title card with that super duper sexy dark orange that is definitely the good night orange. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, We cut to our protagonist, James and Kristen, in a car not saying a word at a stoplight. This is very interesting slash yo that's like it's like a uh, just had a fight type of cry 100 right, for sure 100 percent. And, and you kind of you're just like you automatically feel bad for her but you don't know why because you're just like oh no exactly you don't know why and, and initially we find out later oh it's her it's fault. so funny because <laughs> what a good opening I wrote literally that just had a fight type of cry and then like i thought yeah. about it for a sec after seeing the the ring box with that blue velvet or blue whatever, mm-hmm. and I I wrote another. And yeah. I was like more of a proposal gone wrong. Completely not remembering anything that happened in this movie. Right. Yeah. Right. And and that's a very kind of like it, it's a it's a good side point and it's a good point of the plot, but it's very kind of it like really pushed is. to the side. Um. But yeah. What I want to. Um, Go ahead, sorry. What I wanted to bring up is it's such a good opener, though, for like a slasher to 
kind of get yourself invested because you're already wondering mm-hmm. what's going on. Like what happened? We're already deep into this. Right. Like I'm curious because yeah. it's just, yeah. it's filled and, with silence. Yeah. And and this isn't the trope. This is not the trope. And this is, this is why I'm saying like, you don't, you don't get that sense of stock until 20 minutes into this movie. Exactly. Granted things do kind of pick up fairly fast, but it's still very slow. Um, that's the notes I kind of put down. It's like the director leaves us with the mystery of why they are fighting and there's plenty of awkward moments. For so long. And I yeah. kind of like that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I kind of put too, Kino. I was like, this movie's kind of boring. <laughs> 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 so I was like, Well, right. yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. A lot of people find this movie to be very, very boring, but I think that's the art behind Slow Burn is, is the fact that when you really truly break it down, you start to see like all of the insanity that surrounds it. Yeah. But uh, real quick, fun fact: the the reason why um, uh, Kristen Liv Tyler, uh, why she was so quiet throughout the whole movie. I don't know if you guys noticed that she's very Super quiet. Super quiet. Tonsillitis. <laughs> she had tonsillitis. That's right. <laughs> yep. No um, way. So, that yeah. Explains so she had tonsillitis so while she was filming this. So, so Bella uh, was. That's why she was so quiet. While we're watching so she it, didn't hurt her vocals. Bella the whole time was like, "Why is she trying to sound all sexy and breathy the whole time?" <laughs> there is a fun fact with that too. Dude, that means that that very that last is. scene we'll, must we'll have been those. super difficult. Oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The screams. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can only imagine. Uh, Kristen has tears sticking to her face while James is in deep thought while the light turns green. They make it to their destination. James gets out of the car, slamming the door, mind you, then checking the mailbox of, gosh, who knows, a year of mail. (laughs) While doing so, Kristen fires up a cigarette with tears still in her eyes. James goes into his family's summer home without turning on any lights, leaving Kristen outside while she smokes her cigarette. Um, and I even put here that this moment actually speaks quite volumes because you you do see the the pain and hurt from both of them. Like you could tell they are both hurting right now, which is fascinating. Um, Kristen puts her cigarette out on the porch and comes inside the house. Cut to uh, to music playing and Kristen looking around the room, spotting the romantic display for her. And, just felt bad for this dude. <laughs> she she asks, "When did he? Uh, when did he do all of this?" Um, he tells her that uh, he tells her that he did it with his friend Mike while she was out with her friends. Chris, uh, Kristen goes over to the bed and notices more of the display of rose petals. James tells her that she can sleep in this room and he will sleep in another. He takes the bottle um, bottle of wine out of the bathroom and offers to unzip her dress and take off her necklace, then leaves her to another room. James is in another room, leaving a voicemail for his friend Mike, telling him how the night is going and asks for him to pick him up in the morning. He tells him to call him when he gets this message. Now, would you guys have just left her? Like, he was totally just like, all right, fuck this, dude. I'm done. I'm out. He like, said that. <laughs> I yeah. mean, when you say left her, what do you mean? Like, are you talking about, like, I'm, I'm just going on with my life, like, Peace, no, sayonara, no, or no, no. no? I mean, like left her like the next day. Like he was just planning on like, yo, pick me up. And Mike was coming that night, so he would have left that night, and she would have just been stuck there in his family home. Right. So I mean, if I remember correctly, James had called Mike, asked Mike to come in the morning, and then later right. on, James tells Kristen, "I want you to take the car back 
Mike is going to drive right, me the back. next day. Basically yeah, exactly. saying, so I don't want to be in a car with you for multiple hours at a time when we're in such an awkward situation. <laughs> right. Yeah. He even said right. himself, a road trip's not a good idea yeah. right now. And he's right, honestly. I think he handled it yeah. well if they were both going to leave the next day. And of course, you're not going to assume what's going to happen is going to happen, right? Well, sure. Right. But I'm just saying, like, if Mike were to come, it, let's say Mike came that night, right? Let's say none of this shit happened. And Mike came that night. Mike was he just going to plan to stay there or was he just going to pick him up and then she stays there by herself i think you would have made him stay or they could have had so right or they could have had just mike drive her home and then you know that's true he takes the car he he yeah he takes the car it's a whole bunch but of that wasn't ways. his plan his plan was to go to bike <laughs> yeah i know but i don't know i don't know we're 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 we're, we're, we're fucking well, I mean, for peanuts now <laughs> meanwhile Kristen is waiting for the water to clear so she can take the take a bath that water is gross when she gets in the bath uh we jump to a flashback of Kristen and james at a wedding reception Kristen is sitting down with her friends and james comes up to her sitting down next to her she burst out into laughter from something that was said at the table and james just watched Watches her with uh, with the face of complete adore, then uh, caresses her cheek uh, before asking her uh, to go outside with him. And one thing that I do want to point out, I wonder what the director's choice was for us to not hear the conversation of other people. I wonder. I wonder what what, what the choice was behind that. Maybe it was budget. Maybe no one was really there. But he had $9 million. So I don't see why he couldn't just throw someone there to actually say something funny. No one said anything. I didn't even, it didn't even dawn on me that, like, I didn't hear the rest of the right. room. Yeah, uh, no, nothing, nothing was funny. You could just hear her and Mike, or uh, her and uh, James. Maybe, maybe it, it just was, felt unneeded and it didn't really need it to contribute to what the story was because the story feels very isolated. And maybe it wanted to keep up with the vibes of like mm. complete isolation. And it's only, we're only focusing on these two. Yeah, might be to keep the focal point on the couple and nothing else. True. Yeah. True. Very true. Because I know there are there are audience members that will be um, very detective like. I know Bella's like that. She'll be like, hmm, okay, I'm gonna keep an eye on this person and I don't like the yeah. way that person said this. I'm gonna keep an eye on them, you know. <laughs> so Yeah, there's some people who watch a movie from a person's perspective. Um I I'm actually watch it from James' perspective this time around. Um, but when I previously watched this movie, I always watched it from Kristen's. But I watched it from James' perspective this time around, and boy, did he have a shit another stick yep. on this one. <laughs> <laughs> For real. <laughs> boy. Uh, picking her up and carrying her outside to the car, he puts her down, and she mentions that she is cold and um, asks if they should go into the car. James tells her to wait a moment because he wants to tell her something. He pulls out the ring box and starts going over his proposal. Kristen then drops her smile, puts her head down before cutting back to the house with her back in the tub. James puts a tub of ice cream on the table. <laughs> I thought this was hilarious. Right. Sits down, takes out the ring uh, from his pocket, and starts digging into the ice cream. And he's just, he's all types of upset. He's like, <laughs> Kristen puts her dress back on and comes out of the bathroom to join him at the dining room table. She tells him that everything he did was nice. He moves the ring over to her and tells her uh, uh, that he can't keep it and pleads for her to just take it. James grabs the bottle of wine, pops the top, uh, and drinks straight from the bottle, then hands it over to Kristen so she can also take it. I wrote that swig. the pop of tells the, her, uh, the champagne was kind of like that first jump scare mm -hmm. of the movie where, like, this yeah. loud, unexpected kind of, yeah. thing. Like, you know it's coming, but every time that champagne bottle pops, it still feels 
just like you don't know if it's going to happen right when it's supposed to. Right. I it actually like thought that. that way. Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought I that watching it this time, and I never thought that before, and I knew that was the case. It was very interesting. Yeah. It, it. So I totally feel you on that, Mike. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree with that. He tells her that she has clothes in the bedroom if she wants to change, but she tells him that the dress makes her feel pretty. Uh, she apologizes for the evening and tells him that she just isn't ready yet. James nods his head in a disagreeing o- agreement. He's like, mm, and then he gets up and <laughs> Kristen grabs his hand and asks for him to talk to her. He whispers that this is embarrassing and continues to- towards the record player to put on some music. Kristen gets up from the table and hugs him from behind and then turns him around to hug him and start kissing him. He whispers that she is his girl and they are about to start getting it on until someone knocks on the door. They check the time and they notice that it is five minutes past four, but the knocking continues. James goes to answer the door and is a, uh, and it is a blonde-haired woman standing on the doorstep in the dark. And this just looks fucking awesome. Craig, I just yeah, want to mention that. Shot. This looks fantastic. You get this beautiful shot of James's back t- uh pretty much towards us and then of this woman who's on kind of the right side of his shoulder. Beautifully done. We can't see her and it's just like you see little glimpses of her face and she kind of looks like from like the the pieces of her face that we can see uh she kind of looks like um gosh the girl from mean girls uh regina george nope not regina george um the blonde hair one oh karen yes yes probably yeah yeah Yeah. um i'm blanking on her real name but like Uh, she's actually a really good actress oh it's is it not amanda seafried seafried Amanda Seyfried. Oh, Amanda no. Seyfried. Yeah, That's it is. It. It. Wait, yeah. I don't know Amanda why I said Seyfried. Um, So she kind of remind me of like images of her. Yeah, a little bit. And there's actually a really great Amanda Seyfried horror film called Chloe. You guys should definitely check that out. But um, I was like, it, Jennifer's it just body? reminded me of that. What was that? I was like, Jennifer's body? Question mark? That's also <laughs> a great a great horror film that I'm glad is is back up in conversations. Shout out to uh to fucking Karen Kassam. But anyway, so the great, really quick, the uh, great I, thing about that shot though is the the immediate like black right, but you see glimpses of her blonde hair. So you assume, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be. I think the movie really plays it this way, where it wants you to think it's a it's a young woman. She has blonde long hair. How harmful can she exactly. be, right? But clearly, that's very, very wrong. Yeah. Um, and one thing I also like um, that I never really realized before um, watching this mm-hmm. film, and of course now some people might be, well, duh, that's obvious. Um, but <laughs> James, um, you know, after a conversation with her, and you'll get the to your friends, I'm sure. Yeah, he twists the yes. light bulb and it starts working. Mm-hmm. But if we look at the previous shot where Kristen is at the doorstep, waiting uh outside while she's uh holding her cigarette and james had already walked Mm -hmm. in we had a lit shot there so clearly intentionally this ball was unscrewed Um, and i never caught that before yeah and i thought that was absolutely genius um on him pretty much having that scene last so long of Kristen outside smoking the cigarette because we know okay as an audience member that light's lit yeah, we right. know for a fact that light was lit for sure. But it has us has us kind of think backwards. Like, was the light lit? 
or was it not? Like, um, so it's super interesting. He tries to turn on the porch light, but it doesn't come on. And the woman asks, "Is Tamara there?" (laughs) And James tells her that she has the wrong house. The woman doesn't say anything for a bit and tells them that she will see them, dude. If some creepy yeah, person the same comes to my door at four o'clock in the morning and says, I'll see you later, I'm getting a bat. Like four in the morning, yeah. too. Like, come on, dude. Like when uh, you when someone says, yeah. I'll see you later, and they're looking for someone who you've never heard of, <laughs> probably not good news. Especially being so isolated like that, too. Where did she come from? The fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? James asked Kristen if she could go get the woman uh, because people get lost there often. Kristen tells him not to. I don't fucking blame her. Like, what the fuck? No, dude. <laughs> no. Let her figure it out. He goes to check the light bulb in the, on the porch, and the light was just unscrewed. Huge red flag. They go back inside, but the camera begins to pan towards the wooded area. Back in the house, James and Kristen's just uh, just sitting apart from each other. Kristen mentions that she is out of cigarettes, and James tells her that he will get her some more. And this is the point, folks, where they could have gotten away. Yeah, they, <laughs> they could have just gone together. It, <laughs> it could have gone together. Granted, it was it was obviously just like what David said. They don't want to deal with the awkwardness yeah. and so on and so forth, but. That was literally their chance, right there, gone, gone. This this gone. also just popped into my head about what mm-hmm. what the the chick is asking for. She says, "Is Tamara there?" And if you think about it, mm-hmm. tomorrow. Tomorrow. So she's she's essentially asking, yeah. like, "Do you think you're going to last until tomorrow?" Yeah. Ooh, spoopy. Well, is that, tomorrow right. there? That's beautiful. Is That's tomorrow beautiful. In your future. Oh, this is. Th- this is this is why this is why we bring people on. This is this is why <laughs> <laughs> she tries to tell him that she doesn't need them, but he insists because he feels like taking a bit of a drive right now. Anyway, even though he's slightly buzzed and upset. True. <laughs> uh, uh, she also had a cigarette left. James begins starting a fire before he leaves. He mentions to, uh, to her that he wants her to take the car back tomorrow and Mike is going to pick him up. Kristen asks if he was is sure that this is what he wants to do and tells her that it is. James is getting ready to go. Kristen thanks him for the fire and he heads outside. One last sip from the bottle of wine and off he goes. Um, he breaks that bottle of wine right on, the, right on his parents' little lawn there. <laughs> uh Back with Kristen, and she puts on some music while she tries on the engagement ring. She checks it out and tries to take it off, but she can't get she can't take it off. Um, which I thought was actually kind of funny because it's like, oh, now you're they're automatically closer. Yeah, I know, sitting right? down on the couch, she begins to cry while looking at the ring. She opens up a beer and drinks it while looking at the height chart of James. Um, when he was a kid, Kristen is startled by a sing- a single bang on the door. She puts the bottle of beer down and heads heads over towards the door, and there is another bang that startles her. Moving closer to the door, and then there is a knocking. <laughs> Without opening the door, she just calls out with a quote, "Hello." The woman from before just asks again, "Quote is Tamara home?" End quote. Kristen tells her that she's, she has already come by there, and the woman asks if she is sure. Kristen doesn't respond to her, but she can hear her footsteps as she walks away. She swiftly locks the door. Why wasn't the door locked in the first place? What the fuck? It starts walking <laughs> back towards the living room. 
Kristen hears wind chimes outside, which makes her go over to the window to take a look outside. But all over, uh, but all there is that she can see is a barn-like shed in the distance. The fire starts to crack, and the room is beginning to get smokier and smokier from the fire. Guess that chimney was not open, or was it? <laughs> Quick pause right here. Now, yeah. What fi- what makes me really interested in this whole moment, and uh, this is where you kind of get your first initial slasher trope, where it's just like, okay, it's a woman who's alone, she's vulnerable, so on and so forth. Um, but that, to me, what makes this really, really clever is using your elements, like using your surroundings to really creep us out. No one's really here yet. We don't know that there's three people. We just still think it's this one girl who's really creepy. But, so I want to, I want to ask you guys this: Do you think the chimney actually was open and a blockage happened? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, the yeah. chimney was open for sure. They knew how to get in that house. I think they figured out how to get in that house a long time ago mm-hmm. because Mike and James were there earlier. Right. I can, so I, oh, they I'm set sure they up. were That's watching right. them. You're right. I'm sure they they were watching them and then and, and so on and so forth. Like so, I I think all of this shit was completely premeditated, and they learned how to get into the house without making any major noise or uh, breaking in initially. So, I yeah. agree with that because they do it so easily multiple times, mm-hmm. multiple times, and they did not figure out how the fuck they kept getting in there. <laughs> well, I think they eventually figured awesome. out that it was what the sliding door. Yeah, it was the sliding door. And also yeah. those windows. I, I think, I, I'm, I'm sure those windows were, were quite flimsy. I think uh, The Strangers Pray at Night, I think that one is like in a trailer park, which also made it, made it really fascinating. Um, although, I will admit, real quick tangent, Strangers Pray at Night has probably one of the best kill scenes ever. Ever? Ever. Ever. For. It, it it's initially it's in the trailer, but it is still so vicious and long and grueling. It's not really gory, but it is just so long. And for those of you listeners out there, if you're screaming at the top of your lungs, are you talking about the pool scene? Yes, I am talking <laughs> about that fucking pool scene. Jesus Christ. Kristen tries to open up the chimney's the chimney's hatch. Um, but then the fire alarm starts to go off. She grabs a chair, unscrews the fire alarm off the ceiling, and as she unscrews it, another bang at the front door. <laughs> Great use. Yes. Loved it. Great use. Fantastic. Although, when you unscrew a fire alarm, they don't go off. I'm just saying. Facts. Um, <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Then it sounds like someone is kicking the door repeatedly. Kristen doesn't answer the door. Instead, she grabs her cell phone, but it is dead. She plugs it into the charger, and there is another banging knock on the door. She heads into the room to call James on the landline, telling him that the girl from earlier in um, the girl from earlier came back. She tells him that she didn't open the door and that she is charging her cell phone. Kristen also tells him that she just wants him to come back home. How far is he? And if he can, if he can stay on the phone with her. But the phone then beeps and the line is now dead. She pulls out a cigarette, the cigarette that she claims she didn't have. He would have been there and sparks (laughs) it up while she waits in the middle of the house. 
And I even put here the camera angles are crazy. They're they're yeah. they're they're so wild and they're so rapid that they give you anxiety. <laughs> like it's just it's so much happening in this moment that sure it's slow. Nothing technically physically is harming her yet, but it's just it's just a lot going on. Like I'm sure any of us, if we were placed in this situation, to someone banging on our door or knocking on our door at. Even if they're knocking on our door at 10 o'clock at night when we're not expecting anyone, it is still weird. It is still very odd. So, yeah. (laughs) While standing there, a man with a sack on his head walks into view and just stares at her from the corner of the room. This is my favorite shot of the entire film. It's so good. This is the shot that is shown countless and countless of times. So I'm glad it's your favorite. Yeah. I mean, I... I remember back in the day when um, trailers and commercials were out for this movie and that was the one scene they really focused on. And no matter how many Beautiful. times I've seen it, it never loses Still its effect. Still creepy as fuck. Yep. Still creepy as fuck. Because you, you can just feel him just with this energy of like, I'm going to just fucking toy with you. Mm-hmm. Like when you see him there initially, not right away, but when you first see him, like you're like, oh, James is back. But... The way that this movie is filmed, it, it's filmed in a way where you kind of don't really know where the front door is, which is fascinating because mm-hmm. it seems like they're going into the back of the house when they're truly going to the side portion to go to the front door. Exactly. It, it's it's such a fascinating way. Um, but hey, Kristen doesn't notice and grabs a, a glass of water. The man moves slightly closer towards the piano. She takes an uncomfortable glance out of the window. Then she turns around and the man is now gone all right i got i gotta interject here so good you know how when you're like maybe got like headphones in or something and you like Mm -hmm. sense this presence around you when someone's actually near you i think she has so much going on in her head that that feeling is is just like she can't reach that point because if that was yeah. me, it's a very valid dude, point. I feel like I would have some notion that someone is in the room with me. Yeah, yeah. Your peripheral vision, me also seeing when she was like drinking from the side. I was like, damn. Yeah, it's kind of scary because <laughs> the audience sees everything, but the main character doesn't, yeah. and it's a really powerful scene. And I even put in my notes. I was like, I did not expect the person to be inside the house at this point because this was my first right. time watching. I was like damn okay this movie barely started and they're already inside the house like nothing <laughs> yeah so i was like i and even this is also a pretty solid scene and this is also a uh, this is an introductory of another character like we did not suspect him which is why some people would think like oh is that james for a quick second because he's wearing a right? suit yeah and it, it it's one it's one of those things where it's so well placed and the beautiful part behind this scene the beautiful part behind most of these kind of eerie shots that he has because we have a lot of them um there is no music to give it away to the audience and it's it's just such an unnerving and uncomfortable feeling yeah for sure very 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 well done Kristen hears a door close from the back portion of the house and she calls out to james but no answer Fuck. Kristen (laughs) starts searching for a knife in the kitchen before investigating the noise. Instead of investigating the noise right away, she grabs the landline and tries to dial again, but 
nothing. She starts making her way towards the front door, and the banging can be heard yet again. Kristen looks down at the chair in the middle of the room and notices that the fire alarm is now sitting on the fucking chair. Love that. What the fuck? Yes. And that's when she gets real. It's like a... That's when she gets really real. It's the calling card, right? That's the alert of like, hey, we want you to know we could get in the house. For sure. And And it's also one of those things where it's just like, not only does is it saying that or presenting itself like that, it's also saying we were just in the house. Exactly. Very recently. Yeah. Seriously. So, yeah. <laughs> Something so minimal, and, so and great. It, it's so, so well done. And it tells it speaks volumes on that particular moment. It speaks volumes on how crafty and how articulate these perpetrators are. Because in a way, they're kind of they're they yes they're killers but they're kind of not at the same time like it, it's just it, it's such a fascinating look but technically one of them is but you know officially freaked the fuck out she <laughs> runs over to her charger for her cell phone but a uh, surprise surprise no phone yet another very clever thing to do like these they're so so very crafty and and they don't leave any missed stones. And the beautiful thing is he never took her phone. He just threw it in yeah, the fucking seriously. fire. <laughs> uh, the door starts to rattle and you can hear someone clanking, excuse me, on the chimes outside. Kristen gets up and starts moving closer to the window. She works up enough courage to pull the curtains back and the man with the sack on his head is standing on the other side. <laughs> This, sending Kristen screaming while falling backwards. This actually got me pretty bad. It ramps up <laughs> so fast. What a scene. It got me pretty bad. Oh. I was like, damn. <laughs> now how now this is this is what I like to think of when I talk about the strangers. I like to say that the strangers really boomed like the mask portion of like the purge and so on and so forth. Because these masks are terrifying. But yet they're so simple. So we got Dollface, Pinup Girl, and Sackman. Like that that is that is it. They're nothing crazy clever about these um costumes here, but yet they're so effective because it feels like that is just a human who is sick in the fucking head doing this to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is so scary. Oh, I can't wait till we talk about Hush. More (laughs) banging on the door, the record skipping, and the front door slowly creaks open. Wow. I thought I locked the door. Christian goes to check on the other end of the door, and a woman with a pinup mask is on the other end. Yet another character that we just got introduced to. Christian closes the door. Not locking it, though. She didn't lock it. (laughs) Want you guys to, to know that. What the fuck? Is up with these people not locking doors. Drops to the floor, but more banging ensues. She runs to the room, yelling for them to go away. Kristen is trying to turn off the lights to the lamp and breaks it to turn the light off. Why? She she hears the door open, the music stop, and footsteps moving closer towards her. Preparing herself for flight or fight, but it is James who walks through the door. She is relieved and tells him that there is someone outside. He takes the knife out of her bloodied hand. Cause goddamn, her, she like she was holding that knife so hard that when she broke the light, 
the glass just got stuck in between the handle and her her hand. Wow. Ugh. I had always thought she and was she, so scared that she was gripping it so hard that she was making herself bleed. That she was making herself bleed? Yeah. No. no. Yeah, was, I, I assume it was a glass because she had like a gash in her hand. That's a good um, point. She immediately starts boarding up the room, but closing the, the door uh, and moving a chair in front of the door. <laughs> Man. Uh, this is just an all-in-all fascinating scene. Like, James is trying to figure out, like, what the fuck is going on? And and it, it, it's so, so interesting, like, how sometimes people just jump to the conclusion of you're crazy yeah. right, kind of thing, where you just saw that there was a person at your front door who was very odd asking for someone who doesn't even live here. Prince, mm-hmm. you took the words out of my notes. I literally put, he really doesn't believe her even seeing the girl outside? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Literally in my notes. <laughs> I was like, When I had watched guys. it this time, I literally said out loud, like, toxic masculinity. Because it felt mm-hmm. like those old school, like, tropes from, like, the 40s or 50s. Like, oh, you're emotional. <laughs> you don't know what you're saying or thinking right now. You're just overreacting you know right no wonder she doesn't want to marry him (laughs) exactly (laughs) i mean i i put it in my notes as as he came at the perfect time and he makes her look dumb but think but think about it like this yeah they have now traded making each other look dumb in this movie that's true oh that's very true very true Good fact. <laughs> she, uh, uh, Kristen tells James that there was a man at the back door with a mask. James asks for clarification on the mask. She snaps at him and she's like, I don't know, it's a fucking mask. <laughs> I love don't that. Blame her. <laughs> don't blame her for snapping. And he tries to calm her down once more. He grabs a knife and starts moving the chair out of the doorway to check. Kristen doesn't want him to go out there and he tells her that he's there and to stop. And he just says it like that. He's just like, Kristen, stop. I was like, ooh. Okay. <laughs> James opens the door to the room, looking down the hall. He tells her that there isn't anyone out there and to come out of the room, starting to check every single room in the house, but nothing. While going into the living room, we can get a shot of their cell phone in the fire. <sighs> Man. They go to the to the garage, and James tells her that there isn't anyone here. Kristen stands on top of something to look outside the window above the garage. She notices the girl from earlier just staring at the fucking house. <laughs> James gets up to take a look. He suggests that he should go talk to her. Kristen tells him that she doesn't want to talk. And it's just like, seriously, look at this woman's stance. Yeah, right. she obviously is not there saying, "Hey, I'm lost." She is looking at the house to provoke you, or she's really bad at looking for Tamara because <laughs> she's, she's not really out bad there. At tomorrow at four thirty in the she's morning, still not Just here. Keep your eyes out east, and you'll see the sun tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> He tells her that people don't just wait outside looking at you if they don't want to, um, if they don't need to ask you something, if they don't have the need to ask you something. James realizes that he left his phone in the car and suggests that he is going to go get it. Kristen tells him no because someone came in there and took her phone. Not believing her, he goes back to look outside uh, the window, but the girl is now gone. Cut to the couple going outside uh, the front door so James can get his phone. He notices that his window are smashed and tires are slashed and wires are now cut. Wow. They were like, yeah, dude, if you didn't believe it now, 
you like you, like he you looked at his now. card away was like like oh man but damn still, raccoons right he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> i put in my notes again i was like why is he so calm he's fearless as like fuck. yeah this guy's crazy like like he he's written so poorly to me but i mean <laughs> yes. hey, it, it is what it is this was this guy's i think first film so you know i think this was this movie also had him quit filming like i think like so many people hated it that much that he stopped like making movies that's so funny but because i, I, I was I taking the time out. of trying to like observe him and be like was he in i've never seen him before this movie and i yeah. didn't really see him after yeah and i i honestly think this was his first and last movie but like he Damn. wrote this movie and directed it um but oh, like really? yeah he just went on to just go produce like this a was bunch not of his movies. first movie he did no uh, he was wasn't? he was michael in underworld he was oh. no way yeah he that's was right. michael that's right yeah that's true that's why i recognize um, him but he but initially i I'm, I'm saying the director. oh got it got it got it got it not not the actor yeah yeah oh, the director i'm assuming uh, the director no, no, no. The director initially, this was his first movie, but he also directed The Monster as well, uh, which The Monster is actually really fucking good. It's a. Uh, so it's Halle Berry? That's a, no, that's Monster. Or, <laughs> um, or is that Monster Ball? I think that's Monster Ball. I don't know. But anyway. Or no. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, the, the Monster is actually a really, really good movie. I That is definitely going to be on our list for Creature Feature Month. But anyway. James tries to drive the car in reverse, but it is on a flat, so he ain't going nowhere. He puts his hand deeper under the passenger seat looking for his phone, but can't find it. And uh, clean your fucking car. Once again, you guys know <laughs> how I feel about dirty shit. Clean it. Clean it. Clean it. While looking, a woman slowly starts caressing his neck, freaking James out, sending him to the passenger seat. He doesn't even look in the back seat, damn it. What he an doesn't. Idiot. Not R- even once. number one rule. Not even once. Check them back seats, y'all. Not spotting anyone, but you can hear the running of footsteps around him. He gets out of the car um, and hears yet another banging, but nothing in sight. He looks around for a bit and notices a woman with the doll face mask in the middle of the street. His attention is taken off of her by someone running in the woods. Then Kristen comes out to ask him what's happening. He continues to tell her to go inside and he and when he looks back in he, when he looks back in the direction of the girl, she is now gone. Hear a few more noises, which causes him to slowly start making his way back towards the house. One last look back to the back to the door but opens it and startled and startled by Kristen touching his back yet again. <laughs> she apologizes and tells her and tells him to, he, excuse me. She apologizes and he tells her to put her shoes on and grab her phone. Um, it could, because they're going to get out of here. Cool. What? what and how, how, how did are you, you going to do this? Did, did you, you guys listen to some of those noises as he was walking back to the house? No. I I did not crazy. There was definitely yes. one of those one that of was like a super faint, like maniacal laugh. Laugh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, dude, that's so creepy. Something like the so animal good. laughing, some weird shit. Man, I wish yeah. I heard that. Yeah, I watched this movie with headphones in um, because I remembered. I was like, this movie is very quiet. Kathleen's <laughs> asleep. I'm writing. I need to. I need. I need headphones in for this. So yeah, I, I threw headphones. I on had speakers on quite um, loud. And definitely caught the laugh. Definitely caught the laugh for sure. Um, and boy, there's a lot of creepy shit yep. in this movie. 
Yeah. There's just a lot of creepy shit in this movie. And it, it, it does, it's so well done for me. I don't know. Kristen tells James again that they took her phone. He reminds her that this, that uh, it is in her bag, but she continues by telling him that she took it out to charge it. They sit at the table and James starts tending to Kristen's wounds. While doing so, he tells her that he hasn't heard dogs barking, cars passing, and nothing. Just them and the strangers. Kristen asks, why are they doing this to them? And James comforts her by telling her not to think or worry about it. I counted how many times she asks, why are they doing this? Four times. Oh, wow. James gets up and notices his cell phone without the battery on the counter. He tells Kristen that they need to get out of there and they head to they head to the car. James starts the car and start heading in reverse, but a truck blocks their path. They notice that it is a it is the pinup mask lady, and James tells Kristen to get out of the car. They notice that the sack man is standing in front of the car, and run, and now they run out of the car before the pin lady smashes into the car, repeatedly. She just goes back and forth, back and forth. Then she honks on her horn. I love I th- it. I like, thought. It, it, Completely toying with them. I thought this was such a great moment because it really just shows like how much in control they're in. Because most people yeah. would think like, yo, swing at them, like just go and tackle them or something. But at this point, it just shows how strategic they are. Like there's a plan in, put in place if they're trying to escape in their car. Like, all right, you're going to come through and you're going to ram them with a the truck. Right. And it's. Yeah. It shows Very that. thought out. Yeah. It shows how methodical it is and how controlled the situation they are absolutely fascinating these guys back inside the house james starts looking for a gun uh for a gun while they are honking the horn outside also fun fact guys uh you guys remember those uh in the cabin of the woods episode there was like a glimpse of those people with the mask and they were uh kind of walking into the shot in the cubes inspired by this movie um he finds the gun on top of the bookshelf and they start going to the bedroom they make it inside the room and notice hello written repeatedly on the glazed windows behind the bed frame. How terrifying. And it's probably in her lipstick, too. How terrifying. It probably is. It probably is. I'd be so mad. (laughs) (laughs) You ruined it! (laughs) Looking with pure amazement that these people have in and out access to this house is short-lived when they start throwing things at the window. Wow. And it's scary, like that. Like right. it's loud. You don't like, expect it. That's the thing. Like, even though the, the, and I think that's another reason why he uh, had them talk so quietly in this movie, or had Liv Tyler at least be quietly, because uh, it's always that effect. Like, if you whisper, the person you're talking to is probably going to whisper back, even though they don't have to. Um, so it, it, it's one of those super interesting moments that you have where. We want to turn our speakers up because we want to hear what they're saying. Then something like this happens out of yeah, nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> um, did anyone so, catch what really they were throwing at the window? It looked like, honestly, it looked like 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 wet balls of something. Right, yeah, it looked yeah, like wet, I don't know what it was. It was I think it was dirt pots though. I, like, I think it was dirt are those pots. Big spitballs. What is this? Yeah, that's <laughs> what it looked like. It looked like spitballs. It balls. sounded like it too. Like, like, I was like, oh, yeah. It was, it was the way it hit went. Or mud, I guess. Gross. Maybe that's the closest yeah, thing to yeah. what it could that's be. That's what I think it was. Yeah, because they weren't trying to break the window. They were just trying to scare them. Yeah. But, hey. James and Kristen run into the closet looking for... Oh, excuse me. I skipped a part there. Uh, oh, no. I did not. Uh, James and, and Kristen... Um, 
Oh, no, I did. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Did I say he finds the gun already? I did. Yes. James and Christian run into the closet looking for the shells for the shotgun. He finds them and starts trying to build the uh, build the, the gun, but he shares with Kristen at this point in time. I've never shot one of these before. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, she asks about the time he, uh, he went hunting with his dad, but he tells her that is just something he said. And I was just like, okay, so now you're a patho- pathological liar to make yourself sound cooler. Got it. They start trying. They start <laughs> taking shells and put. What if she was a pacifist? Like that would have <laughs> been cool. Like you know what I'm saying? Like she would yeah. just be like, well, what the fuck? Like you use guns to hunt? No, we're not. Okay, this is not okay. Um, she asks, or excuse me, they start talk uh, taking shells and putting them in James James' pocket, uh, back in in front. Uh, excuse me, back in front of the front door, James is telling Kristen that he wants her to run as fast as she can. They're interrupted by one of the people outside smashing smashing the door with an axe. Real quick, did you guys notice that Kristen still did not put her shoes on? Yeah, I noticed that the whole time that she was fucking barefoot. I'm like, what the hell? Put some shoes on! Put your shoes on. Like, put your shoes on. And and it's funny because the the, the director hammers it on our head like, oh, she would have put her shoes on. We'll talk about that a little bit later. James and Kristen ram the piano um, into the front door, stopping them from bursting into the door. Kristen loads up the gun while while James throws a chair um, at the opening hole. I thought that was hilarious. When she threw the chair? Yeah, I was like... It's it's one of those things where it's like, throw everything you got, including the kitchen sink. (laughs) Uh, she She hands the gun to James. The man peeks through the hole, and James takes a shot at the door. They run... Actually, he initially makes the hole um, larger as well. They run to a different room. James starts setting up to post to uh, post and have their gun ready. He whispers that they aren't going to die there and that they are going to sit there and wait for the cops to come. And I even put here, there's just so much tension now. Like, this is just, this is where the script really, really plays beautifully is when you see these moments of, complete relentlessness and the fact that these folks are initially here in this moment completely helpless yeah it is they and and they have the gun but yet they still don't feel like they have the upper hand and i i I just find that so clever and so genius just absolutely fascinating and evokes if folks dread correctly right absolutely Absolutely. They hear footsteps inside the house and then music coming on. James still isn't letting up on holding that gun straight at the door, though. Cut to an SUV driving down the road, pulling in front of the residence, and it's his friend Mike from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. (laughs) He calls James and tells him that, uh, that he is there early to pick him up. He is startled by something smashing into his car windshield, causing him to get out of the car. Fucking genius. Fucking genius of these people. <laughs> yeah, like they don't like, care. Like they're like, oh, you're here. They too? don't care. Cool. Let me throw something at you too. Right, and and here's the thing. I I think that also initially goes into the fact that where they want him to go into the house. That's a really <laughs> they good don't point. want to give James the opportunity to see his friend or have leverage because now it's three on three. Now it's fair, and. It's initially like, okay, well, we need to take him out, too. And yeah. Even though all we technically have is a knife, and if we get, do it by the element of surprise, sure, that'll be great. But we're going to toy with him, too. 
Like, we're going to make him scared first and make him seem weak. Mike goes over to the driveway and notices their destroyed car and the truck right behind the car. He hears the music inside the house and heads towards the back door. He grabs a weapon off the ground and continues going inside. We get a glimpse of of Dollface... Uh, of, excuse me. We get a glimpse of the doll face mask person emerging from the shadows, and this also looks really, really fun. Um, and I also put here once again, really clever to hide the assailant. Um, although this plays on the trope, if the camera is there, something else must be there. Exactly. So, but even say, though it plays on that trope, it's still very, very well. It kind of reminds me of our Conjuring episode where we talked about the clap being used just for yeah, the sake yeah. of the trailer. I feel like this was the same Absolutely. case with this shot. One hundred percent. Like this is definitely in the trailer. At least for this scene, I said like pretty much like the writing's really good about the scene itself. But this character is a fucking mm-hmm. idiot. He should be calling nine one one if I saw this, and I would have not entered the the house in general. Or but remember the phone the lines. Phone are lines cut. are cut, and the cell phones but are non operable. Yep. But what he about has his? One? Yeah, has one. His cell phone. Oh yeah, and I had also thought that he as called. well. Yeah, immediately, if, if someone would have thrown something at my car, because obviously it was a rock, right. it wasn't something that just fell off a tree. Not only uh, that. And I would have saw that, I would have probably gotten back in my car, called 911, um, and tried my best to get a hold of the cops. There's but, so many red Yeah, flags. but this man His went car, on to play Dennis other car. in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, <laughs> who is a supposed right. serial That's killer true. himself. So, like... That's true. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it, here's the thing. It was obviously suspension of disbelief and all that jazz. Sure. Yes, it gets a little hard for this and things like that. But we would not have a horror film if he did do those things. The film would be over. So it, it, it's one of those things like obviously this all plays into plot, which is why slashers for most people are very silly and they don't take them too seriously. Yeah. But this just feels very grounded. Like this, this does still feel very real. Um, because because these people are just so crafty. They really are. Or maybe, and they're just toying with them. They could have made it a little bit more realistic where he calls and they say, like, oh, to get someone out there might take about 15, 20 minutes. Or and even the typical... Even Boy, the typical... They're coming out there soon. <laughs> <laughs> even the typical, you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no signal. My carrier doesn't have signal right. here, right? And you see that big... Like, typically in movies, I feel like someone grabs their phone, they look at their phone... And across the entire screen, it just says, no signal. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people were nervous about, like, how slashers are going to work with uh, this new age, right? I mean, because we have cell phones and so on and so forth. And, and some people don't really use them that well to that advantage because we do get that a lot. Like, yeah. no signal or my phone's dead. And those are the two that we usually get. But when it comes to, like, more technological horror you start to see that play a little bit more crafty like in in films such as searching or i'll I'll even say um uh unfriended uh these are still films that have utilized the tool of technology in in ways that we haven't really seen done too often in horror so i find it fascinating but all in all super yep I'm with you guys. Shout out to life, Unfriended. We, we would have definitely called it. Shout out to Say Unfriended. Again. If you guys haven't, if anyone listening hasn't watched Unfriended, you should. I thought that movie was dumb when I saw the trailers. I watched it. I'm like, wow, this is a really good movie. You liked it? Yeah. 
But we'll talk about we'll, that we'll have, on the unfriended we'll, we'll episode. We'll talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Mike comes into the house and notices the disheveled state of the, of the house. He stops for a moment before moving deeper down the hallway. Um, why don't you turn the music off and call for your friend? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Sackman appears in a blur behind Mike, following him slowly with an axe. Goddamn. And I even put here, the best thing is that there aren't any sudden shifts in tone. The tone is still the same. The music is still playing. There is no loud shing. Uh, there is none of that. And it's up to the viewer to decipher for themselves, should I be scared or should I not be scared? To that be is afraid fucking awesome. Or not be afraid. That is the question. question. Mike stops for a quick moment and is going to continue forward with a, with a hell then bam. James takes a fucking shot at him hitting Mike directly in the face. And if you guys watch the unrated version, you do see a lot more gore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, catching that because I had watched yeah. the unrated version for the first time this time. Yeah. I was like, ooh, just a time, like a second more, but it's like you see just stuff. a second more. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you see like, you see flesh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you definitely see flesh. Um, but, but man, wow. what a shitty feeling, right? What like, a, what, oh my gosh. What a moment. <sighs> it hit a lot harder than the, all the times <laughs> I watched it in the past. And I guess it's because I'm older now and I understand the sense of weight behind that responsibility of yeah. taking someone's life. Not that I've yeah. done it right, but, you know, um, it's just as an adult, you can see why that's so crucial. And it's yeah, uh, it's sad, especially when it's your friend and it was an accident and you were trying to protect yourself. It's just really disheartening. Absolutely. Let me finish up this last quick thought and then because uh, I do want to continue talking about this scene. He drops the gun out of shock. He tells Kristen that he shot him and that um, he didn't have a mask on. James crawls to the hallway to get a closer look and notices that it was Mike that he shot. Crying from what he just committed, he tells Kristen not to come over and look. She crawls over and James pins her to the ground telling her, um, telling her who he just killed. And she's freaking out, right? She's just like, get off me. Like, get, get off me. Like, what are you doing? Get off me. And when he tells her who he just killed, like, that realization for both of them just makes that whole scene just so vicious. Because the the guy with the sack on his head, he was ready. He was like, yo, I'm a, yeah, actually, I'm ready to, I'm ready to kill this dude. Yep. And then he realizes that he's walking into the hallway. It's like, oh, he's going to die anyway. Yeah. They're waiting for me. And that's the they twisted part about it. That's so twisted because it, he was doomed regardless, but he was not going to get out of there alive. Yeah. For but sure. now James is here thinking that if he just took a second to look at who he was shooting at, his friend would still be alive, not realizing his friend was doomed no matter what. But can you blame James? No, not at I can't. All. Like, I mean, Right. Like, like, you know, you ask first and foremost, you ask for your friend to come the next day. So you're not assuming that's going to happen. And secondly, well, I guess it's not really the next day. It's it's more so like morning later in the morning. He asked him to come because this is we could say that all of these events transpire in about four hours or maybe a little bit less. We'll we'll, we'll take it down a notch. We'll We'll say about two and a half hours. Because it's, it's February, so you know, got to take into account daylight savings and all that shit. Well, you actually but, see a clock throughout many scenes, and I actually appreciate yeah. that you were consistent with the clock here. A lot of a lot of this, it seems like it happened within thirty to forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's a, that's initially the length of the movie. Yeah, 
So it's supposed to be like the same length of the movie is initially when all of this should have taken place, which kind of makes sense in a way. Take it in real because time. The, yeah, it, I was like, that's actually pretty fucking cool. Anyway, James and Kristen both leave out of the room. Kristen cries, coughs, and gags in the background while James puts more shells in the shotgun. He tells Kristen that he wants uh, her to hide somewhere while he goes outside to the barn to use the radio to call for help. Now is not the time to split the fuck up. They can get into the house. <laughs> he pulls my the notes. curtain back and <laughs> the words, quote, killer are written on the sliding glass door. James tells her that he will hide back for her, or excuse me, he would head back for her, um, voices that he will be fine, and heads out to the barn. And I'm just like, like, no, 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 I'm calling you back to leave the gun with me, because you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> looking at the barn, Kristen wishes him to be careful. She heads outside uh, to look around for James, but he went to the truck that they used to ram uh, that was used to ram the car earlier. James is looking for the keys and can't find them and tries to wire the car, but nothing. Kristen is still inside the house without zero protection, mind you, waiting for James to come back. Back with James hiding behind a tree by the barn, he notices the pinup lady comes out of the barn door. She is looking around the area with her flashlight, and James comes out of his spot to try and take a shot. The pinup lady points the gun, or, uh, excuse me, he points the gun directly at the pinup lady, um, and she points her flashlight directly at him, while the sack man runs up behind him and hits him. Kristen hears the gun firing the gun firing off from back inside the house. She steps outside and whispers his name on the patio, but nothing. She sits there without any shoes on, waiting for him. Really? No shoes. Really? No, no shoes. shoes. Hashtag no shoes. Outside. <laughs> Hashtag no waiting shoes. Waiting for him to come out. Hashtag I, no shoes. I thought the exact same thing, Prince. I was like, what are you, what are you thinking? Are you what forgetting are you what's going on? Yeah, like, did you just, like, just so happen, like, I'm okay here? Yeah. Really? Although, it is fascinating, because we'll, we'll continue. While waiting for him outside, we see the sack man starts approaching her. She notices something and starts running, but then falls, hurting herself. God. Once again, the director telling us, if you would have grabbed your shoes, you probably wouldn't have hurt yourself as bad. <laughs> but she did. Yeah. There are crashes in the distance and she tries to crawl away. While she is crawling away, the pinup girl is walking behind her with a knife in her hand. Christian turns around, but she is no longer there. Christian takes uh Christian makes it to the barn and calls out to James. She picks up a flashlight and starts limping around the barn. Something falls, causing her to stop and focus around. While doing so, she finds the old radio that James was talking about and starts trying to get it to work so she can call for help. Just to point out, too, She's able- on the wall, you oh, can see ahead. that there's a, the missing axe on the wall, which is yes. kind of cool because they've definitely been in there already, too, to like arm themselves. So I was like, that's a nice so, little yeah, so here, here, camera trick. Here's, here's the thing as well. Um, they went there with practically no weapons. Yeah, that's the fucked up part is that they went there, no weapons, and they literally pretty much improvised on what they were going to use to antagonize. That's a really good point. Completely agree. And I'll tell you guys my point of view at the end of the story. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. She is able to get it. She is able to get uh, get the radio on and hears a voice calling out, um, calling out on the other end. 
Kristen loses the voice and starts to cry, asking if anybody can hear her. Um, and this is kind of heartbreaking, to be honest, because like you could say, like, oh, my God, they, they are fucking screwed. One of the women from the distance mockingly says, hello. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Kristen gets low, but all these noises are surrounding her, including footsteps from outside. A man on the radio calls out, out to her, and she picks up the microphone, asks for the man to help her. Uh, the pinup woman starts taking the axe to the radio when the man asks, where is she? Kristen gets out of the barn, but is crawling based on her damaged foot. Um, I gotta feel good. I do also feel bad for like the guy on the radio because he's just like, "Fuck!" I just heard someone about to die, and it's nothing I literally can do. Like, yep. literally nothing I can do. Goddamn. She looks at the sliding door to the house and notices the sack man holding the shotgun. He's uh, he's searching around, but uh, starts walking in a different direction. She starts moving to, uh, again towards the house. The pinup woman comes up, uh, comes out of the barn, and the doll-faced girl is swinging on a swing right next to her. Both looking at Kristen, trying to get back to the house. And the toying is just absolutely fantastically well done. And honestly, it doesn't get old for me. It doesn't it really for me doesn't. either. Yeah. And I think like, that's the it, point it, of this it, film, and that's the entertaining part about it. Right. Yeah. And, like, I, I, I think with the toying aspect and things like that, everything is so kind of fresh with the way that they're toying with them and so on and so forth that it feels it feels like we're watching something new each time, like a new antic each time, even though technically she has yet to physically get hurt by these people. Agreed. So far, she hurt herself, and yet it is so effective, and they know they're winning because they're just like, we haven't really technically touched you. This movie like, is Tucker and Dale versus Evil before it came out. <laughs> Tucker and Dale versus Evil came out, what, two years after this, though, right? No, I feel like this is more recent. It's still an old movie, I man. Tucker and Dale versus Evil maybe. came out in 2010. Yeah, that's, yeah. If, I, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct, but, sir. Um. You're correct. Am I I correct? Ding, ding, ding. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Um, Movies, man. Boy, gotta love them. Uh, And yeah, you're right. It initially is that, except it's not asked the the way Tucker and Dale versus Evil, I guess. It's just it doesn't, they don't initially all die that fast. Tucker and Dale versus Evil, man. What a movie. A lot of fun. Christian continues moving back towards the house, notices the car is now on fire, and ends up making it back inside the house. She is all types of fucked up. Limping, bumping into shit, fucking making shit fall off the wall. Then the power cuts off. Goddamn. She can't catch a break. Christian goes towards the front and notices that it is that um, the door is open. She starts moving back towards the living room, and then she hears the piano starting to play. My heart dropped for her. <laughs> when I first watched this, What's, I was just like, "There is zero hope." It's zero. The fun thing about that is, though, it's playing the same tune that she was playing yep. on the piano, and it just shows how early they were in there watching, you know. And she has yep. that realization. Absolutely, and it's so well done, so well done, so creepy, so fantastic. Just everything is just in this moment. The tension is high. And I, I felt it still, even though I've seen this movie so many times, I still feel the tension. The, every the thing time that I, I notice yeah. about the piano part is she, she just plays us mm-hmm. like a scale. It's not anything very difficult, but the very yeah, first right. time she plays it, 
the the very first note i'm pretty sure it's a c scale just because that would be the easiest thing to play mm-hmm. um i think you're right but that c is off that very first c is mm-hmm. off somehow i don't know i couldn't figure out if it was flat or sharp but it would kind mm-hmm. of be like a super subtle like thing if it was sharp to relate to the fact that mm-hmm. she's going to get stabbed later Mm. Oh, wow. Interesting. I, I thought you were going to go a, a different way. I thought you were going to say they even caught the incorrect note that she played and played it back at her, but that's well, very I mean, interesting. That It's it's the piano. That's it's it. just how it's tuned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And if it was and if it was sharp, like that makes so much sense. Like sharp, pointy knife. But I, don't, yeah. I don't remember wow. if it was sharp or flat. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm not musically inclined to know, <laughs> to be honest. So I that that one that's over me. But that sounds cool. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> the, the sack man walks past her and she hides in the pantry in the kitchen. Um, Christian is walking to. Uh, oh, excuse me. Christian is watching the sack man walk around the house, looking around. Um, he comes into the kitchen and looks directly at the pantry, moving closer towards it. He passes up the pantry to sit down at the dining table. Kristen is watching him, and the man stands back up, walks out of the room. She is looking out through the slits of the door, and the doll-faced girl appears right in front of the pantry door. Kristen lets out a scream and tries to keep keep the door closed, while the doll-faced girl is breaking the slabs off the door. The uh, girl stops and heads to the table and touches the box for the ring. Kristen tells her that James is going to kill her. Boo, they got him. Dollface doesn't say anything but spins the knife around on the table. Christian quickly grabs a knife from the drawer and points it at the approaching girl. Christian asks, quote, why are you doing this to us? End quote. Dollface girl scrapes the blade on the table while approaching, cl- while approaching closer and closer to her. James is thrown into the room by the sack man and Dollface looks at Christian and s- says slowly, quote, you're going to die. End quote. And she says this so slowly and so calmly. Yeah. And that's that, the creepy part about it. Like her words alone felt like she was getting stabbed. And wow. Absolutely. Wow. James yells for Kristen to run and she starts rapidly limping away into a different room. Kristen is in a, is in a room banging, trying to open a window, but it won't open. So she starts to bang and scream out of frustration. James yells for her to run again and the lights come back on after she screams for James. She talks into the, she talks into the hallway and the sack man throws her, uh, throws her, Excuse me. She walks into the hallway and the sack man throws her into the wall, knocking Bro, her she unconscious. Got body. He starts to Bro, like, like he heavy. dropped that shoulder <laughs> and just flung her. Like yep. mad quick. It was it was it was crazy. Like she it, she was out. I would have probably played dead yeah. at that point in time. <laughs> like sorry, like, I'll fuck. let you, I'll let you get but back to doesn't. the trope. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just, 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 just there. It, we were so close, everybody. We were so close to have uh, a new trope be created, but we didn't have it. He starts to drag her towards the living room, and she is trying to stop herself by grabbing and digging her nails That's the trope. into the floor. Now, 
definitely the trope. <laughs> yeah. Now we we obviously don't get it as visceral as what we've seen in in films as well. But uh, one thing that I do want to bring up here is that this movie what also makes this movie fascinating. Think about the time of this movie when it came out. This movie came out in two thousand and eight. The two thousand eight recession. The two thousands. What we had, it, yes, that too. But during this time frame of what we had going on with horror films at this time, we had a lot of gore porn, a lot of it. Everything was torture this, torture that. But yet this director didn't want to go torturing in the sense of someone with blood and guts. He chose to go torturing with the mind. Which I really I appreciate. thought that was so fascinating for an era that was torture porn you didn't really see slow, born, slow burn horror films too often during this time frame. Um, and yet you got something like this that really took the aspect of torture porn and made it physical, uh, excuse me, not physical, made it uh, mental. And that is absolutely fascinating. He transitioned the genre of torture porn into torture mental so, porn. So Dave, <laughs> and that's a great time to... Dave, you, you said that uh, you really appreciate this style of of all that. I do, yeah. And earlier you said you Indeed. saw this in theaters. Do you remember if that's what you thought then, or have you changed how you think about movies so, and, and media and horror over time? Yeah, so f- for me, I remember during the era of you know the mid-2000s where everything was torture-focused, like Saw was the most popular thing going on, right? Um I didn't care for it. And I love that with The Strangers, it was something more creepy and honestly not as gory. Um, and I cater mm-hmm. to, I, I tend to lean towards that. And I remember thinking like, man, this is great because it's it's different. And of course, I only thought it was different because at the time it wasn't what was popular and part of the saturation. But I think that's such a good time to take advantage of a saturated market. You know, yeah, start do your something movement. else because there's always going to be people... Yeah, yeah, there's always going to be people that want what's not popular. Right. And that's that's fascinating. Even though this didn't, this didn't I wouldn't say this necessarily started anything just because it was, you know, that was just the times because I mean you had uh a, a gory 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2004 hit, we got Saw, 2005 hit, we got Hostel. And and they were just pushing these out. Then we got Cabin Fever, and 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 it, it was just all of these kind of gory movies that really um, kind of flipped the genre on its head and made people wonder, like, how is this popular? Like, how is this what people want to see? Uh, when as horror fans, you know, there are our limits, but at the same time, eh. You know, like we 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 know how to disassociate ourselves from the, from these t- particular movies, um, but it it just I just found it fascinating. And and for me personally, when I first watched this movie, because I did watch this movie in theaters as well, because um, I was in high school when this came out. And when I watched this, I remember thinking to myself, like, "Wow, this was boring." I, <laughs> I remember not liking this movie when it first came out, and. It wasn't until college, so like maybe a few years after, when I watched it again because a couple of friends of mine wanted to see it, and I was like, "Fuck, this is actually a really fucking good movie. This is <laughs> this is not this is not as bad as I remember." And uh, it was mainly based off of that concept of because this is torturing my mind, this is torturing my psyche. Like this isn't necessarily torturing my physically torturing me or something like that. 
Um, but hey, and by the way, for anybody who thinks that 2000 like started or spawned torture, please go back and watch Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> this did not spawn torture. Literally a movie about torture. <laughs> uh, Fate to Black opened back up with Kristen screaming. It is now light out. The pinup lady opens the curtains, exposing the room to sunlight. Both James and Kristen are tied up on a chair, and the three strangers are standing in front of them, uh, staring at them. Kristen asks yet again, quote, why are you doing this to us? Dollface tells them, quote, because ah! you are home, end quote. Easily one of the best lines in horror movie history for me. I Dude. gotta agree. Because yeah. a lot of people are looking for a backing plot, right? Or a reasoning. People want a reason. Of, yeah, they want context. And to this, it's like, no, some people are just really fucked up. And you unfortunately yep. got chosen. Yep. And the best villains in horror films are the villains that you have the least backstory on. Mm-hmm. The more backstory you have, the less you are scared of this person. Because now yeah, you're well, and you're also and you so may also so be like empathizing on some level. Exactly. Right. And this you get none of or that. Your, so it's, or your imagination fills the gap, and your imagination can be the scariest thing there is. Yeah. Well, I think True that. even for this movie, the reason why it's so successful is that it brings the horror to someone's home. Where this could be anybody. This could be. Your neighbor could be a complete stranger, like the movie's title is. These are complete strangers that had no motive at all, and this could happen to yeah. anybody. So the fear factor is there. Right. Where like the other movies that came around that time was like that torture porn. I think that's where this movie succeeded, where other movies didn't, and it was different on that mm-hmm. aspect of this could be my home. This being the first time watching it, I never really lock my room door at all. And if you guys know how yep. I live. I'm detached from the house. I'm by myself. Tonight might be the first night I might actually lock my door for once. Probably a good idea. (laughs) I love that. Right. I've never locked my door. I always feel safe. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, it's like people are crazy sometimes. You never know. But yeah. It's true. Please start locking your door, Freddy. It's true. Please start locking your door, Freddy. Please start locking it. Don't, don't, Don't be them. Kristen tries to get out of her bindings um, while they are both crying. Uh, we notice at, at this time that they're actually bounded together. And um, and also, Kristen is placed back into her dress. Yeah, the that, night pr- that prior. was weird to me. I always yeah. thought that was so odd. Very odd. Very odd. Does she still have shoes on? The world may never know. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, Dollface puts, uh, puts her knife down to take off her mask and the others follow suit, but we still can't see their face. And this is such a well done fucking Did you get so close? God damn it. So So I want to chime in here. Mm -hmm. So one of my, I remember loving that you can't see these people's faces, right? And mm-hmm. I had watched the unrated version for the first time. Am I right mm-hmm. to believe that the unrated version added more in this portion where they take off their masks? Oh, yeah. Because... This, this seems a lot longer in the unrated version. Yeah, but also with that, and I think this is a detriment to the unrated version and uh, it you know, makes the movie weaker because of it. I think in the unrated version, you see side profiles of their faces. Yes. And do. I hated that. 
Yeah. So I think well, you're... also with the with the with the Sackman too, like you also do get like more visuals of his eyes yeah. and things yeah. like that. Like like you could tell, like you could start seeing facial features. Yeah. And um, so I think um viewers are definitely better off watching the theatrical release versus the unrated version because of that. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah, I took this definitely. scene as like, oh yeah, this could even though they're unmasked, like this could be anybody. Like right. point. And that's how I that's how I take it too. Yeah. That's a good point. This this is obviously this is obviously inspired by like Halloween. Because they unmask Michael Myers so many times. Forty years later, we still don't know what Michael Myers looks like. Yeah. So I also kinda Sackman picks up the knife from the ground and Kristen is pleading for them to stop and telling them that they don't have to do this. This is where the unrated version gets awesome. He takes a few stabs at James, hands the knife to the pinup lady, stabs she stabs him next. Lastly, Dollface stabs Kristen slowly. Very slow. Mm. Now, the scene here on the unrated version is about about 30 to 45 seconds longer than on the theatrical. So, it is quite brutal how she is stabbed. We can hear the sounds of them being stabbed, but we are seeing images of the surroundings. Cut to all of them on the floor, dead except for Kristen, who is awoken by Mike's phone ringing. Yes, guys, if you would have just grabbed Mike's phone. That was the the main detail where they did not go for Mike's phone. I think- and they obviously didn't have to because they were so much in their head. I think that's only in the unrated version because I didn't see that part. Yeah, yeah you probably didn't. Then. So I was thinking that when I was watching it, I was like, I don't remember yeah, this. Yeah. I don't remember the I did not Mike's see that. phone at all. Yep. You guys didn't see it then. Um, because, yes, Mike's phone rings. Um, and she actually goes to pretty much answer it. She crawls but, over. Yeah, she crawls over. So Kristen gets up and starts crawling towards his body. She grabs the phone and answers it. Kristen is about to go make a call, but the sack man is behind her. And he picks up the phone, then leaves. So fucked. And it kind of, it, it continues with what you're saying that it's just a mm-hmm. it's just a mental fuckery at this point. Yep. He knows that she's gonna bleed out. Exactly. She goes unconscious, then we cut to the two boys from earlier walking their bikes down the road. The truck with the three strangers stop on the side of them, and and Dollface gets out of the car, no mask, and goes up to the two boys and asks if she can have one of their Christianity pamphlets. The boy asks her if she is a sinner, and she responds with, quote, sometimes, end quote. <laughs> a little and, hands, and he, then he hands her one. She heads back into the car, and the woman says that, quote, It'll be easier next time while they drive off. Cool. Now this is where I can make my point. I was like, I feel like this entire movie was done practicing. And that's why they like played around so much with the characters is that Mm -hmm. they were just testing things out to see, oh, what if they got into this situation? How would we like manage it? Uh, What if we put them in this situation? We can see how they manage it. They played around with them so much. It's because they were just seeing what they can get away with and see what they can do. Yeah. But I mean, they were quite successful. Like, very I mean, much. They, they tried multiple things where they, they weren't entirely successful because one was still alive, but um, they were quite successful, mainly based off the fact that they tried it. Okay. Let's try this with no weapons. Okay. We need weapons. They, they have weapons. So therefore we need weapons. Let's go, let's go ahead and get that ax. Okay, cool. We got the ax from the, from the barn or the shed. And, um, 
then it was just like, all right, we we know where the knives are now in the house, so let's go and grab one of those. So it, it it was it was crazy because it was practically everything that they had, they just used it against them. Yep. Exactly. Absolutely interesting. The boys see the chaos that ran through the house. They head inside, and uh, we get the same opening sequence. One boy looks at James while the other goes up to Kristen. He goes to place his hand on her, and she grabs his wrist while screaming at him. Then, credits. Man. Man. So, that is... Honestly, that that is just so fascinating that you even said that too, Freddie. Where, like, the practicing and and stuff like that, like, ah, uh, oh, man, it's such a. I really find this movie just to be very clever, to be honest. Like, I I just find it so clever. But we got some movie facts for us here. Movie, movie facts. facts. Uh, double entendres. <laughs> that's not what that meant <laughs> according to director brian bertino the film is partially based on an incident he experienced as a child as both freddie and i announced earlier one evening a stranger came to his door asked for someone who was not there and left later bertino found out that the other homes in his neighborhood have been burglarized throughout the night jeez yeah. During filming, in order to get a re- an actual reaction from Liv Tyler, director Brian Bertino would tell her where to expect a loud mm. bang. Yep. But he would then change the uh, the direction of the loud noise so she can completely be freaked out in a different direction. <laughs> That's clever. The film was shot in chronological order. That is, that is pretty clever. Super clever. Uh, Many theaters across the United States were sent faulty reels of the movie containing sound problems, which made a few minutes uh, to to several scenes of the movie uh, filled with nothing but static. Most audiences did not realize the sound was a problem, however, since the dark overtone and loud background music in some scenes make the static scene part of the movie. Interesting. That's awesome. The filmmakers tried to design the house as one that quote your brother could could have lived in that you have um that you could have grown up in end quote in order to make the audience feel more attached to the film. I mean, mm, it's feel like that to me. not at all. <laughs> it's a yeah. ranch style home. It's a single level, like left to right moving home, which right. f- is a lot of America, especially when you get out That's into true. like more rural parts. The yeah, um, yeah. Because Fresno, my my grandma's yeah, house in Fresno uh, is like my that. Uh, my so. uncle's house out in Stockton was uh, was like that. So I I did feel some type of mm. connection to the layout of this home. That's so funny. Mm. So when I was watching it this time around, I, I had said to Bella, I was like, "Huh, doesn't this look like a really like? Doesn't this look like an old person that put an Airbnb up like this place?" Oh my god, I can see <laughs> that. And I was like, "Dude, that's spot on, right?" The funny part, too, I don't know if it's uh, one of your fun facts, but they never even filmed in the house. This was all built in the soundstage. This was all built soundstage. Oh, damn. Yeah. Here's an even better one. The blonde blonde doll-faced woman first makes an appearance asking if Tamara was home. Jim Award, who plays this character, also plays in Pirates of the Caribbean in Stranger Tides as a person named Uh Tamara. That's (laughs) awesome. I like Easter eggs like that. Oh, that's fun. 
Uh, the scene where the man in the mask hacks away at the front door is a reference to The Shining, where Jack hacks the, yeah. the bathroom door to get mm-hmm. Wendy. Here's Johnny. Uh, the song Mama Tried, which is used in the film during the very intense scene, is credited to Merle Haggard and the Strangers on the original 45 RPM. Yeah. Damn, Merle's one awesome. of those That's OGs. Really cool. He is yeah. old. OG, OG. Um, uh, Mark Ramanick was originally slated to direct this film. Do you guys know who Mark Ramanick is? Or Romanek? Nope. I, don't. I should say. Uh, so he he's the guy who made like um, that movie One Hour One Hour Photo uh, oh, with uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, but he also was the guy who directed uh, that video Scream for Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson. Interesting. Oh, damn. Yeah, he's like he's like big time in like the music world and shit like that. But he's like he's super interesting. Um, I'm glad he didn't though. I'm, I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. Uh, according to the director, Brian Bertino and Liv Tyler, the finale of the original script had much more interaction and dialogue between the victims and the strangers. This was cut in order to keep the intruders mysterious and eerie. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that was to its favor. Great choice. Um, Here's my favorite part. The houses shown during the opening credits each resemble, this is why I said, this is why I said these houses are nice. And I, none of you guys caught it. And I'm so glad none of you did. Each house that was shown was the house from A Nightmare on Elm Street, <gasps> Halloween, and the Amityville Horror House. That's actually really what? cool. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. I'm so glad none of you guys caught that. No, I didn't. <laughs> are you surprised? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the, uh, last but not least, the film is thought to be a remake of the French film Them from 2006. Both revolved around a couple being under attack in a secluded area and have similar endings, which mm. it does. Them is actually really, really cool. Actually better than this. But, man, The Strangers. Goddamn. Goddamn it. What a fantastic, super-duper fun movie. Yeah, I was man. glad we revisited this. At least I'm glad I had the opportunity to. I'm glad you did too, as well. It, it's it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. But I also want to know what all of you think of the strangers. Let us know over on Twitter at Goodnight Life, and that's night with a K. By all means, we want to keep this conversation going. We want to hear your guys' thoughts. We want to hear you guys. Just either did you like this movie? Did you hate this movie? Did you gush at how creepy this fucking movie was and how fucking awesome it was for the genre at the time? Let me know. Let me know. Is forty eight percent worth should it be movie. reevaluated <laughs> should it be mm. like should they just cancel it and reevaluate it i just i that's all i want to know um but by all means like, obviously this movie is not perfect like i do not think this is a perfect movie um it's actually very hard for me to find right. a perfect movie but still all in all i love this movie like it's very creepy it's very very droning and um yeah, like this movie is just a lot of fun for me personally. But want to also before we com- completely conclude, our next movie that we got coming up on this list here is The Collector. So, by all means, this movie is an absolute blast. It is sometimes a little hard to watch, I will admit. So, sorry David, um in advance, <laughs> you will be having to close your eyes. <laughs> uh, but uh it, they're quick. I promise you. They're not they're not crazy like like 
the Poughkeepsie the tapes. They're quick. Oh, boy. Um, but yes, The Collector is going to be next up on the list, guys. I'm very excited for us to visit that movie. But uh, last but not least here, Mike, where can people find you on the internet um, if you would like them to find uh, you? Yeah, you can find me at the Goodnight Podcast with Prince and Freddie. That's me. And him. <laughs> Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Mike BSF. Indubitably. Indubitably. Also, by the way, guys, uh, be sure to check the show notes as well. I will be dropping all of our Twitters inside the show notes from now on. Um, that way we can keep the conversations alive and we, you, we can actually interact with you guys and you guys can initially know who you're talking to when it comes to the show. Oh, thanks, so Prince. we will be putting all of our Twitters inside of the uh, show notes. So be on the lookout for those um, in the show notes from going on out. And thank you guys so much for the support and all that great stuff. But this was Nightlight. A horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And on the other end there, we had David. Stay spoopy. Staying spoopy. Also known as Nightly. And on the other end there, we had Freddy. I'm going to lock my doors tonight. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I'm so glad you're doing that. Also known as Nighty Night. And our special guest, Mike. Because you were here. Also. <laughs> oh, so scary. <laughs> Gross. Also known yeah. as Jester. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this show. Um, excuse me. We would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife on site with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.